That is Stacy. It's <laughs> the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We're back with another brand new episode. To start this one off, I, I don't know, maybe a month ago, shared a commercial advertising this contest. And with all the contests that they used to do back in the day, one of the main things that people say in the comment section is, I wonder if anyone ever actually won that. Right. Always my thought back then and anytime you repost them now. Yes. So first of all, let me tell you about the contest, right? It was called the Gym Truly Outrageous Audition Contest. This is the description that I found about it, okay? It says, it's a sensational promotion in association with MTV where kids rehearse the Gym theme song, which we all know. And in glitter, fashion and You call a special 800 number to audition via telephone directly to Jim. No one else, just Jim. Not Jerrica, <laughs> not Synergy, not Rio. Jim herself. <laughs> so the grand prize winner would receive an all-expense-paid trip to New York City to attend the 1986 MTV Music Awards. That is quite the prize. I know, especially for the young child that I'm sure were the ones that were trying out for this thing. Right. And also, over a thousand prizes would be given away, including video cassette players, tour jackets, and a gem video library. Wait a minute. What's a video cassette player? Like a VCR? Are we talking? You got a VCR? I'm assuming they mean a VCR. Oh, wow. I've never heard it referred to as a VCP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the promotion was aired on TV, obviously, in commercials like the one that I shared. And then there were special premium offers and there was exclusive promotion information included in each package of gem dolls and the accessories that came with it. Brilliant marketing decision right there. I bet you there was a lot participation from all of those avenues. I know. I actually don't remember this. I must have missed these commercials. I did too. I didn't remember it, but I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So I did hear from someone. You did. Lauren sent me a DM telling me about how she was one of the winners. Oh, wow. Yes. So here's what Lauren said. She said, I would call the 1-800-ROCK-GEM all the time. One day I was playing at my friend Jenna Vignola's house down the block and my mom literally came running down the street to get me so I could get onto the phone. <laughs> the gem contest people had called and I was apparently a winner. Wow. I'm sure one of many, she says. But I was on cloud nine. They sent me a cassette tape of some of her songs along with a poster and maybe a doll. I remember one of the songs on the tape was, Who Is He Kissing? Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> that Jim slash Jerrica was singing about Rio, who was their boyfriend. And she comments, which I honestly always found weird, which I agree. Like, Jem was dating Rio. Jerrica was dating Rio. Rio didn't know that they were the same woman. So essentially, he was two-timing both ladies, and they both, she alone, knew this and still thought that was okay. 
<laughs> she says, she says, I've gone off topic, but work with me here. I love it. And I immediately pointed her to our episodes about Jim and the holograms. Yes. Because I'm like, Lauren, we have talked about this in depth. Yes. We totally agree. <laughs> we do agree. Like Rio, my it, man. It's extremely frustrating it to, to rewatch, especially <laughs> as an adult. And just you're like, what? Like, what is going on here? And the fact that Jim slash Jerrica let it happen. Right. She didn't call him out on it. She didn't think there was anything wrong with the fact that he was cheating on her. I know. With and, her. Right. <laughs> and as closely as they work with Rio, right? Right. You couldn't just bring him into the circle. I know. It's like everyone knew but Rio. Right. Like, come on. Silly. Silliness. <laughs> Anyway, I really loved hearing about that. So thank you, Lauren. Yes, thank you, Lauren. And if you have been a part of a contest like this and you have won, even if you just, you know, won something small, reach out. We would love to hear about it. Yes, I would be fascinated. It's show and tell time. This time we have an overachiever on our hands. Yes, we do. But it's great. This is an epic show and tell. It is. Maybe this should be our new format. It could absolutely be. I like it. <laughs> I like it too. So let's get to it. So this week we have Jade. She says her mother named her after one of Mick Jagger's daughters. She was born in 1980. She says last of the Gen X, Zennial. I consider myself to be a Zennial as well. Right. You would have been in that same little bucket. Yeah. Those born between 1977 and 1983. Mm. And it really, I think, depends a lot on your personality, how you were raised, if you had older siblings or not, because I have some friends who are younger than me and identify more with Gen X than mm -hmm. I do. Right. You know, so really just depends. Yeah. So what Jade did differently this time, she's got subcategories underneath each category. Right. So you know how we typically will say, what's your favorite 80s movie? And someone may just answer with one or someone may answer with one with a lot of HMs, which yes. are honorable mentions around here, or they might just, you know, list a whole bunch. But she decided to, yeah, put them in different categories. I like that. I do too. You ready to do it? Yes. So the first category, overarching category, yes. is favorite 80s movies. And the first subcategory, is that what we would say? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Genre yeah. for this is fantasy. So her favorite 80s movie that is in the fantasy genre is Never Ending Story. Her favorite scary movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. Favorite Halloween movie. <laughs> Which I guess would be like, that's a sub-genre of scary, right? Listen, it, it makes sense in her mind and that's all that matters. That's all that I, matters. I get it. It's nuanced. So her favorite Halloween movie is Beetlejuice. Favorite holiday movie, <laughs> A Christmas Story and Christmas Vacation. And favorite comedies, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Burbs, Big Trouble in Little China. I feel like we are circling the bowl of Big Trouble in Little China. I've been watching a bunch of stuff on it just randomly. I've seen it come up in just online searches for various other things. Jade just mentioned it. I feel like we might need to put it on the list. All right. Okay, next category, favorite 80s songs. So we have Thriller by Michael Jackson. Rock With You by Michael Jackson. Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. And Push It from Salt and Pepper. I just saw that Salt and Peppa and Spinderella got their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Did they? Congratulations. Yes. I was excited to see Spinderella there with them because yeah. I don't think she's been touring with them. 
Well, good that they were all there together. Maybe they've repaired the relationship. I think there was a bit of a rift between all of them. Yeah, so it was nice to see them together. Favorite 80s TV shows. Early 80s. We have Reading Rainbow and all the cartoons. All of them. All of them. (laughs) Mid-80s, Punky Brewster and Pee-wee's Playhouse. And late 80s, you can't do that on television. Good call. All good ones. Our next one, favorite 80s toys. Number one, Cricket Doll. Cabbage Patch Doll. Dressing up in my dance costumes. (laughs) And the Easy Bake Oven. That was always a lot of fun. The Easy Bake Oven? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My sister had like an Easy Bake microwave. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. We had Easy Bake something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was not easy and it didn't bake. (laughs) (laughs) I remember liking how it tasted. Yeah. I think sometimes it would come out okay. Right. Favorite 80s books. Amelia Bedelia, which I haven't thought about in a long time, and Babysitter's Club. All right. Favorite 80s places. Toys R Us, Kids R Us, Blockbuster, and movie theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite 90s movie. We've got our genres again. For fantasy, Groundhog Day, Edward Scissorhands, The Craft. For scary, Scream. Halloween, Hocus Pocus. Holiday, Home Alone. And comedy, we have Clueless, Dumb and Dumber, Wedding Singer. And then she said, I Want to Grow Old With You is the last song on our wedding CD mixtape wedding favors. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Favorite 90s songs, Today by Smashing Pumpkins. Only Happy When It Rains by Garbage. Basket Case from Green Day. Firestarter from Prodigy. And No Scrubs by TLC. Favorite 90s TV shows. My So-Called Life, Fresh Prince, MTV, MTV Shows, and Daria, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Favorite 90s toy, Her Rollerblades. Yeah. Love them. Favorite 90s book, Magazines. (laughs) I agree with this. Jane, YM, Sassy, 17. Oddly, didn't read much as a tween teen. I was talking about this the other day. I feel like, because I read a lot when I was younger, like when I read Babysitter's Club books and stuff. Yep. And then I think it shifted when I got into magazines. So like all of these that she just listed, plus I got Soap Opera Die Dust because I was very into my soaps. So that was really my entertainment, you know? I mean, I was into magazines when I was younger, like the teeny bopper magazines. Right. And then it shifted, you know? I started feeling more mature. A bit more mature. (laughs) Now, did Soap Opera Digest remind me, did it come to the house or did you get it at the store? You could do either. You could do a subscription or you could buy it at the store. Yes. I'm asking you, though. What did you do? Oh, for me, I think that I got it at the store. You did? Okay. I think. Because those would be at the checkout. They they wouldn't even be back where the... Yeah. So I just remember grabbing them. I get caught up on all my soaps news as I'm waiting in line (laughs) at Publix. That magazine has to be a lot thinner now because there are not very many soaps left. No, there are not. Sadly. All right. Last category. Favorite 90s places. Contempo casuals, occult stores, and friends' houses. That's so 90s. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And she added at the end, I love you too, your podcast, and all the memories that you unlock. Oh, well, that is very sweet. A very fantastic show and tell. Yes. Thank you, Jade. Thank, thank you, you for taking the time and effort, you know, to make it something really great. Amazingly thorough. Yes. 
If you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. You can also find us on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. We've got our Facebook group, The Cozy Club, fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. And if you would like to help support the podcast or just have access to 40 plus bonus episodes, you can come over to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. You can donate $4 or more per month and that helps support the podcast and what we've got going on. And it also makes us happy. That's right. So we're hopping back into the 90s this week. We are, and we are getting very close to Thanksgiving. So this movie came to mind. It was really fun to revisit. From 1995, Home for the Holidays. So this is a family comedy drama directed and produced by Jodie Foster, also produced by Peggy Rajsker. The screenplay was written by W.D. Richter, and it's based on a short story by Chris Redant. So in this one, we follow Claudia Larson, who is having a rough go of it. She's just lost her job. She regretfully made out with her ex-boss moments after he let her go. Yeah, that part was uh, unexpected. (laughs) Quite cringy. (laughs) (laughs) And her teenage daughter lets her know that she's getting ready to take her relationship with her boyfriend to the next level. As her daughter is dropping her off at the airport to fly home to spend her Thanksgiving with her dysfunctional family. On the movie cover, it says, On the fourth Thursday in November, 84 million American families will gather together and wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) So cynical. It is cynical, but I think a lot of people can relate. Not, Not every family, not every person, but it is relatable for people. It is. Sometimes Thanksgiving can be a bit much. Yes. Or, you know, if you live away from your family, whether you live away from them or not, but especially I think if you live away from your family and then you return home for holidays, things that maybe didn't stand out to you growing up now stand out to you that you've taken a step away. Yes. And I think that's what they're really showing in this movie. Yes. And we'll dig into it a little bit later on. I wonder what that number is now. It says 84 million American families. I don't know. You know, I wonder what would be on the cover now. Let's see. Quick Google Foo tells me 83.48 million. It somehow has gone down. Doesn't seem right. Huh. Somebody's number is wrong somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were um, embellishing back in 95. Perhaps. <laughs> so our cast. What a cast this is. It is. It is stacked. We have Holly Hunter playing Claudia Larson. Robert Downey Jr. as Tommy Larson. Anne Bancroft as Adele Larson, who sadly passed away in 2005 at the age of 73. She's amazing. Yes. Claire Danes as Kit Larson. Charles Durning as Henry Larson, who passed away in 2012 at the age of 89. Mm. Dylan McDermott as Leo Fish. Austin Pendleton as Peter Arnold, who's Claudia's ex-boss. Geraldine Chaplin as Aunt Gladdie. And you asked while we were watching the movie, and I checked, and she is indeed the daughter Of Charlie Chaplin. Is she? She is. Oh, wow. Which is also kind of fun because, you know, I guess this is an early fun fact, but we know RDJ, Robert Downey Jr., played Charlie Chaplin in the movie Chaplin in 92. That's right. So I wonder if he had already met her. I'm sure he had. I bet you he had. That's pretty awesome. Actually, for sure he had to have because she was in the movie Chaplin as well. Oh, was she? She played one of her relatives. I'm not sure. Okay. Steve Gutenberg plays Walter Wedman. Cynthia Stevenson as Joanne Larson Wedman. (sighs) 
The worst. The worst. David Strathairn as Russell Terziak. And Amy Yazbeck as Jenny Johnson Drewer. So fun facts. Filming of the Thanksgiving dinner took more than 10 days where they used 64 turkeys, 20 pounds of mashed potatoes, 35 pounds of stuffing, 44 pies, 30 pounds of sweet potatoes, 18 bags of mini marshmallows, and 50 gallons of juice that stood in for the wine. I think that this was maybe the most fun, fun fact I have ever found in researching a movie. <laughs> that is wild. That is a ton of food, quite I literally. Love it. I love it. I wonder if they gave any of that food away. Oh. I hope they did. I hope so, too. Like At least like the stuff that they weren't you know, messing with. Because they were like breathing over all of it and, you know. Yeah. But it was the 90s, so they it probably was, did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you get the pie that dad was fi- uh, sticking his fingers in. <laughs> oh, no. So Jody Foster allowed Robert Downey Jr. to improvise, which got him excited about making films again because he had just come off a period of time where he had been disillusioned with acting. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense now that I know that. And actually, we rewatched the movie today because we watched it like, I don't know, two weeks ago or something. Mm Mm-hmm. And some of the rants that he goes on and some of the random things he says, it's just like, who would have even written (laughs) this line? Exactly. But it was just coming out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Organically. Yes. And the next fact may kind of explain it a little further. I think it does. So he publicly admitted to using heroin during the making of the film. Jodie Foster wrote him a letter praising his work, but warning him that he could not keep doing this on other films. I also saw where she had said, like, he came in one time and she said, essentially, he was like speaking in tongues and he thought he was, you know, speaking English. Mm -hmm. And so they had to, like, wait for him to get out of that state and back into a normal state. And she had to break for the day and, you know, yeah, she pulled sent him aside home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and had to talk with him. And then I think she spoke with his family who did an intervention yep. right after the film, which kind of started him on his road to recovery. I think it took a few interventions, yes. but yeah. Sounds like we read the same article. We did. Mm-hmm. This was funny. And I've actually noticed this before because I have shared about the movie on our Instagram last November. But Steve Gutenberg is oddly missing from the family photo that they used in posters and on the covers of the DVD. There is this glaring space where someone should be on the couch next to Anne Bancroft. And I always wondered, they must have left the space because maybe they thought that they could add him in after the fact. Right. Like, I guess he he couldn't be there for whatever reason. (laughs) Yeah. But then they just either forgot or decided not to, or it just looked fake. So they didn't do it. I would love to know the story there. It's like they'd already printed, you know, 10,000 of these posters and photos. And they're just like, well, Miss Foster, we forgot. (laughs) We forgot about Steve. (laughs) So in this movie, Anne Bancroft and Claire Danes play a grandmother and granddaughter. And How to Make an American Quilt, also from 1995, Bancroft plays Glady Joe and Danes plays the younger version of Glady Joe in the flashback scenes, although they share no screen time in either film. I know. Surely they had to have met on set. Surely. 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 And I love both of these movies. And both of those movies I watched initially because Claire Danes was in them. Did you? Yep. I mean, this was, hello, 95, my so-called lifetime, you know. I mean, my so-called life started in 94, but it still aired in 95. Very influential to us teenagers. Yes. And really, that's all the fun facts I have. Like, I couldn't find a lot. I did find this one article, which is the same one, apparently, that you read, that gave me a little more insight to some things that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
as we list our favorite moments. Okay. Because if I do it now, it'll just give it all away. Right. And you can't do that. (laughs) No. Got to build the suspense. Yes. So speaking of favorite moments, why don't you kick us off? All right. So my first favorite moment is something that we kind of are reminded of throughout the movie. It's remember the fish, the angel fish. This is something that Kit, Claire Dane's character, reminds Claudia of her mom as she's dropping her off at the airport because she knows that her mom, first of all, hates to fly. And she's Mm -hmm. very nervous about that. She's stressed about her life. She can just, you know, her mom is very anxious about going home, being around her family. And she's extra anxious because she knows that her brother is not going to be there. Right. Who she relates to the most and she's the closest to. So anyway, it's a moment in time that the two of them shared together when they were snorkeling with angelfish and it was very peaceful. And so she just tells her like that's like a technique to calm her down, Mm -hmm. to remember the angelfish. She's a very wise 16-year-old. Very wise. And then we hear about it again in the middle of the movie when Kit calls and, you know, the two of them are on the phone. And she's like (laughs) pulled the long cord from the kitchen phone into the pantry or into the bathroom. Yeah, I think it's the bathroom. But they're on the phone. I mean, I think I think it is in the bathroom. Yeah, I feel like there's a sink behind her. Yes. And, you know, Claudia is in the middle of a ton of chaos. And again, her daughter reminds her to remember the angelfish. Just relax. Just remember the fish. Huh? The angelfish That fish. The angelfish. And then there's a moment at the end of the movie where I'll talk about it in a little bit. I don't All want right. to get to it yet. <laughs> it's kind of, it's difficult because this is something that like, I wrote it down first because it's mentioned very early in the movie, but you know, it reappears later. More, more significantly later. Yes. Yes. All right. My first one. I love the scene where Tommy is messing with Claudia with the car. <laughs> You know, telling her, hey, hey, I'm sorry. Come on, get back in the car. Because she had she'd gotten upset with him and Leo and got out of the car. And he's like, come on, Clyde. People are starting to look at your wardrobe. Claudia, come on. He didn't come mean on, it. Come on, I'm sorry. He didn't mean it. I'm really okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> come on, come on. And she goes to get in and he <laughs> peels off and leaves her there. And then we get the little scene where somebody she knew from high school pulls up and sees her. And you get the uncomfortable interaction with somebody you don't want to see. Yes. Leo comes and saves her. And then Tommy's like, come on, you got to get in the car. Aunt Gladys waiting. And Leo's like, don't do it. But she believes him and she goes to get back in and he pulls off again. <laughs> but like in the part where she's talking with her friend from high school, he's just tearing back and forth in the car, being really obnoxious. And I hope a lot of that was just ad-libbed. I know for sure that his rant in the car before really was definitely ad-libbed. Wow. Basically, what happened was Jody gave him a mark. And said, once you get to this place, like this stop sign or this place in the road, you need to then slam on the brakes and she's going to get out of the car. So you have to say something that's going to make her mad enough to get out of the car. Oh, wow. And that's where he's going on and on and on this whole time as they're driving down the road. And then all of a sudden he's like, that's like the kind of thing that would fly out of Claudia's uterus. (laughs) And she gets out of the car, you know, and Leo's in the back like, that's your sister, man. You can't say that. (laughs) But yeah, I loved rewatching that scene too, knowing that it was improvs. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just impressive. <laughs> it is. But some of the stuff he says is just, it's, like, what? it's gross <laughs> and it's random. It doesn't make any sense. But he still was with it enough to hit his mark and yeah. to know that that's when he needed to say something about her. Right. You know, and she didn't know what he was going to say. And she played off of it perfectly. Yeah. You know, they had really good chemistry. They do. Or amazing chemistry, not just really good. Mm hmm. 
Like, I believed them. I believed that they were siblings. I did as well. Like, it was really, really well done from an interaction standpoint. Mm -hmm. Other than, like, the nudity part. Yeah, that part was weird. He was taking pictures of her, like, and he it would always be like he'd lift up the covers and then in the shower. Yeah, like, that kind of thing uh, does not resonate with me. I've never seen a real-life example of that. No, I don't know if they were just trying to make it like, well, he's gay, so it doesn't matter. But I'm just like, know. either way, it's your sibling. Yeah. Like, ew. Right. <laughs> you're not seven, right? That might be funny when you're seven. Right. And maybe that was their way of showing he hasn't grown up. I don't know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. My next favorite part was the part that impacted me a lot when we watched this movie. I definitely ugly cried. And watching this as an adult, it definitely hits differently. Yeah, I feel like quite a bit of this movie really spoke to you in various ways. It did. And I liked it when I was a teenager watching it. I just didn't understand it. Yeah. I understood it on the surface level. You know what I mean? Like it was chaotic, family time, whatever. But I didn't really take it to heart or or notice the small Yes, like it's a nuanced film. Yes. The interactions, just little things that people are saying and like interactions that aren't the focus but are happening in the background. Yes. There's a lot going on. Little just looks between two actors. It's a lot. So anyway, there's this moment where Claudia finds her dad in the basement, or as he called it, the cellar, Mm -hmm. watching home movies of the family. And, you know, she goes and sits with him. And her dad asks her if she remembers this time that her mom brought her and her siblings to visit him at the airport because he worked there. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't remember. But he tells her the story about how they watched this huge plane take off. And they were able to be like almost right on the tarmac just because. Yeah, he worked there. Yeah. And how like Adele had a a vice grip on his arm. Her brother and sister were holding onto his pants legs. And she, Claudia, had no fear, did not need for anyone to hold her, which at the beginning of the movie, you know, we learned that Claudia is like definitely afraid of flying. And so you just see this moment go across her face when he's like, not you, you had no fear. And she just kind of gives him a little smile and a shrug like I do now. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But she doesn't say it. I started crying from that moment on. And I think there's this part where, I mean, I don't want to dig too deep into it. But like when you're a kid, you know, you are fearless. Right. You don't have all these things that have happened to you or that, you know, has happened to other people that cause you to be cautious about stuff and, you know, to even know that you need to be afraid. Right. And yeah, there was just something about that that resonated. And I I don't know if it's like if her dad was saying that on purpose because he could see that she's got a lot of stuff going on. Oh, yeah. And he's trying to remind her of what, you know, you have been fearless in your life before. Right. Like you can do anything, that kind of thing. And then her dad is having a moment mm-hmm. where he says, 1969, 10 seconds tops. And Claudia's like, just a drop in the bucket. And he just looks at her and he says, I wish I had it all on tape. <laughs> He's so sweet and sentimental, you know? <sighs> like, and I, I mean, I'm crying now. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It spoke to you. You know, it, it's a very tender moment between the two of them. Well, and it's just so, I mean, I think I was extra emotional because I have lost my dad. Yeah. But just something about, you know, there's so many moments that, especially back then, that Mm -hmm. aren't captured. Right. They're just gone. And yeah, they're either gone unless someone happens to remind you of it or, you know, they're just flashes in your head. And who knows if you're even remembering it the way it actually happened. Right. and, And all of that. But it's just funny how like that's one moment that wasn't filmed. 
that he thinks of fondly, you know, and I don't know. It just, <laughs> it's just <laughs> ugly crying. I don't know. Okay. My second favorite moment, Tommy, quote unquote, accidentally tossing the turkey into <laughs> Joanne's lap. <laughs> I mean, she gets mad, right? She starts yelling at him, calls him some mean names. And then Leo and Claudia go to help, quote unquote, (laughs) get the turkey out of her lap, lift it up over her head and proceed to dump all of the contents from this juicy turkey onto her head. And she freaks out and gets very angry. But it is hilarious it's the best mo- like the funniest moment of the movie i feel absolutely and take that joanne <laughs> and she deserves every second of every turkey innards second of it <laughs> okay my third favorite moment <laughs> we could call it a moment or a person <laughs> leo fish it's dylan mcdermott i mean i've loved dylan mcdermott forever but so much about this character of leo i love how he sits and he plays the organ and he sings with aunt Gladdy and how he walks Aunt Gladdy into the house and he returns with a lamp, which she had already given Claudia a lamp when they came to pick her up <laughs> earlier in the day. Yeah. She just likes to give away lamps she to people. Does. <laughs> and he gets in the car with a lamp and looks at Claudia and she's just looking at him and he's like, This is mine. You can't have it. She gave it to me. And when they show up at Joanne's house to bring the leftovers that they had left at their parents when they took off abruptly. Yes, in anger. Yes. Leo wants to kiss Claudia and she's kind of being resistant a little bit. And then he says, Give me the time of day, will you? And then they start kissing and she's leaning on the doorbell and it just keeps going off repeatedly (laughs) until her brother-in-law opens the door. He's in a good mood at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Then later back at her parents' house, they're raiding the fridge for leftovers at night, which is definitely a relatable moment. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that I will say that I enjoy now about the times that I get to make a Thanksgiving meal at our home is the leftovers. Yeah, you get to eat for like a week. Right. Because, you know, growing up, we always just went to my aunt and uncle's house and everybody brought a dish. And so you would only take home if there was anything left of what you made. It wouldn't be like people didn't make plates and take them. Exactly. You know, right. Well, maybe some people did. (laughs) (laughs) So there's something different about like. Having had the full meal at your house and you made it all. So you get all the leftovers. <laughs> you get all that mac and cheese, <laughs> all the turkey, cranberry sauce, cranberry sauce. So there's a moment where Claudia has gone to bed. She and Leo were making out on the couch and they were interrupted because Tommy was sleeping on the floor. So she goes to bed. She's resisting, I guess, because she just doesn't like fun and she doesn't like beautiful men. No, she likes neither of those. (laughs) And Leo comes to her door and he's just giving her the eyes. And I said out loud to you, (laughs) if Dylan McDermott looks at you like that, you let him in. Like, I don't care if it's your childhood bedroom. You did. (laughs) Let him in. But we learned earlier that Claudia doesn't trust Leo because he's just too beautiful. And what I love about that is when she says that to Tommy, he responds, he was born that way. It's not his fault. Listen, I can relate. I mean, that's true. (laughs) You just can't help it. And then the moment at the end where she's on the plane, she thought she had totally missed her chance with him. And all of a sudden, you see a person with a lamp coming down the aisle. Yeah. And you know. You know it's Leo. (laughs) So good. Very good. All right. My final favorite moment, the ending montage where you get scenes of everyone in love 
you know, past scenes, current scenes, all to the backdrop of Nat King Cole. I love it too. And the thing that I learned after reading more about the movie and the article that we had both read earlier, it's an interview with Jodie Foster on HuffPost with Matthew Jacobs. It was from November 2020 and it was their 25th anniversary. It really like helped make some sense of things for me. Like I wasn't sure how to describe some of the things that I loved so much, like the angelfish scene and the story with her dad and the plane taking off. So it, it really enlightened me. But there's a moment too where she's talking about Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Tommy, and how he's gay. And the film was pretty progressive for the time. Oh, yes. Because people weren't talking about gay marriage. and And kind of portraying some blatant homophobia as well. Within a family. Yes. And in the movie, we get this moment where Tommy calls his husband, Jack, who's with their group of friends in Boston. And Tommy says to him on the phone, how's my real family? Right. And you can see, like, just in this little moment that this is his safe space. It's where he's accepted. He can be exactly who he is. And he doesn't have to put up with the BS and the chaos that his family has been bringing him. You know, yeah, it's like a life that you choose to build rather than the life you were born into. Like, that's why I think it's hard sometimes to go home. Yes. And be put back into the life you were born into because it can be so wildly different than the life you created for yourself. Yes. You know, I think if you're really lucky, you get the best of both worlds. Right. You have friends that are family and you have your family who loves and accepts you just as you are. Exactly. Which I do. Yes. I do as well. But not everyone has that. Right. You know, but this also kind of explains, you know, why he chose not to invite any of them, even Claudia, who he's clearly the closest to and who loves Jack, his husband, but why he didn't invite any of them to his wedding, because he just wanted it to be for the two of them and with the friends and family, you know, his quote unquote real family that are there. And he even made a point to say no pictures were taken. And I think that was upsetting to like his dad, who Mm -hmm. obviously said he wishes it was all on tape. He's very into capturing and remembering moments. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But I think what Tommy wanted was to have this moment that didn't need to be captured because it was shared between the two of them and it was special. I still think he should have invited Claudia. I do, too. But, you know, it is what it is. But in the article, Jody's talking about, you know, how there are so many of these moments that happen in people's lives, especially back then, like you and I were saying, that were the ones that you really treasured, the undocumented ones, like the angelfish, the moment that her dad shared, this wedding, and then even the moment at the end of the movie where she's on the plane with Leo, because they talk about how they won't even take pictures. Right. No one will know. They'll have those two hours on the plane. And they don't know what's going to happen. Right. And everyone else will be none the wiser. Only the two of them know. And so that's why when they show the scenes at the end of the movie and they flash on the wedding that nobody else went to and how deliriously happy and blissful and peaceful Tommy looks and even Joanne, who's the awful sister, but it's a fun moment at home with her husband and her kids. Right. Where they're playing with like water guns and laughing and, you know, nobody's taking pictures of that. And the scene on the plane where she's sleeping on Leo. Right. And nobody knows, you know, and so it's kind of like a little sneak peek for us to see what those moments are for all these characters that we've gotten to know. It's so interesting to see how they thought that through and planned that because it's really subtle, but a great moment. Right. And it's like, like I said, I liked the movie when I was younger. I just think that it was very surface level for me then. And I was like, oh, look at all these nice moments at the end of this movie. But I didn't really 
grasp the meaning behind mm-hmm. that and what Jody was trying to get across. You know, it was just kind of magical. Very. All right. HMs. Got a few of these. Me too. <laughs> so the first one is the giant fuchsia <laughs> puffy coat that Claudia's mom gives to Claudia when she gets there because Claudia has dropped her nice coat at the airport and who, didn't who realize. Does that? Like, who does that? I don't know how you don't realize that you dropped it because she was holding Seriously, it. Seriously, right. I could see if it was like, or maybe it was on a suitcase, but. No, I'm pretty sure it was in her arm. It yeah. just got bumped. Like, listen, they were showing that she was like frazzled. all spaced out and yeah. frazzled and in a huge crowd of people. She just didn't notice it. Right. But there's something kind of funny about the fact that, like, she's already feeling out of place. And now she's wearing this jacket that is dated even then all around town, her hometown. And she runs into Jenny Johnson Drewer, the homecoming queen that she went to high school with, and immediately explains, this is not my oversized coat. The stylish (laughs) one that fits me is at the airport. (laughs) And I appreciated that. The, The instant need to explain why she's dressed this way. Yes. And I have seen both of those coats in person. Yes. They were very recognizable. Mm -hmm. I don't know who had them, but somebody did. Like the pink coat and then the blue coat that her mom wore? Yeah, the one her mom wears, the blue one and the pink one that she gave her. Makes sense. Okay, my first HM. I love the fact that Tommy calls Claudia Clyde. (laughs) It just feels so natural. Another very small thing, but it just adds that sense of realism to it. And I wonder, was that in the script? Right. Or was that RDJ? Write it down for whenever we get Jodie Foster on the podcast. We'll ask her. (laughs) Next up for me, I love how cute her dad is, like, attacking her mom with kisses. And then I love when he's playing the organ while Will of Fortune's on the TV next to him. (laughs) It just feels so, like, just a normal, like, I feel like I'm just sitting in their living room. Yeah. You know, and this is only the beginning of the chaos. Yes. And you can tell how much they love each other. And it's good to see that because even if she's always complaining about him, she loves him and he really, really loves her. Yes. And seeing him acting this way with her and like playing his organ and stuff just makes him really lovable right away. And then later when he grabs her to dance and they're dancing to It's Not Unusual. No, 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 I just ate. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. In the living room, I feel like that'll be us. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it is right now and it will continue to be. <laughs> yes. All right, my next one, another Henry moment. Henry had snuck downstairs to sneak some pumpkin pie. <laughs> he's all quiet and trying to be real coy and like kind of hide the fact that he's dug into and underneath the top like layer. It's pretty smart. It is. But he comes back upstairs, gets down into bed, and immediately tells on himself. He's like, <laughs> I might have had some pumpkin pie. She's like, oh, Henry. <laughs> he just can't lie to his Adele. No. So next up, Tommy, we already mentioned he's a lot. And it's hard to even keep up with half of what he's saying. But there's this one moment after he and Leo show up late 
They surprise them, which Claudia, of course, is extremely thankful for because she thought she was going to be there alone. He picks up the cat (laughs) (laughs) and he's just screaming in the cat's face. And the cat is just staring at him and like, you know, kind of just wants to get down, wiggling a little bit. And Tommy's just like, he's not responding at all. (laughs) And he just puts him down. (laughs) It's such the most random moment, but I love it so much. It was great. And then there's this whole scene where Adele tells Claudia to go check out the furnace room. There's something she wants to see in the furnace room. And she goes and there's a guy in there, Russell, who she's known her whole life. There seems to be some history there. And her mom is always, you know, trying to hook the two of them up. But Tommy and Leo are crouched down in the kitchen, eavesdropping on the conversation, trying not to laugh out loud. They're like covering their mouths. It's just a really funny moment. It is because Tommy is telling... Leo, he's like, oh, it's always like doom and gloom from this guy. And, you know, he's going through how his family left and people died. And that's what they start laughing. (laughs) They're trying not to. (laughs) It's so good. It's such a relatable moment. It is. So much about this movie just feels so authentic. Right. (laughs) And then (laughs) there's this other moment in the chaos of the Thanksgiving meal before they even eat. Like, so much has already gone on. Henry's saying the prayer. And when it's over, you know, Gladys says, Amen. And then Joanne's daughter, who's like 10, says, Ah, woman. <laughs> and then Tommy's like, That was absurd. Let's eat dead bird. <laughs> <laughs> and right after this, like, Aunt Gladys just tells this whole story about how she met Henry, you know, when her sister brought him home for the first time or whatever. And it's a very long very detail-y story. Yes. And it's very awkward. And I wrote down, it's moments like this that make you thankful for a really big family. So there are never really any moments where only one person has the room. That's very true. Because that never happens. <laughs> no, it only happens if like somebody's saying the prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yep. And in my family, when some of them are about to sing. <laughs> yes, it gets very quiet. Because <laughs> I'm always just like, oh, am I supposed to sing? Or, uh, I don't want to sing. <laughs> <laughs> just sit there and move your mouth. It's fine. Yeah. I do love adding on to Aunt Gladys' story. I mean, she's got a part where they kissed. Now, yeah. she makes it out to be like a big kiss. They kind of show the moment. And it's a very light peck. Yes. But she tells him, you're the best thing on two legs, Henry Larson. And Joanne tries to interrupt Gladdy. But Tommy is like, I think we got to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, At that point, it's like a train wreck. Like, you can't help but just kind of want to know more. So it was quite awkward, but it was an interesting little scene. It was. Actually, you know what? When they show the moment where Henry actually kisses Gladdy is another one of the scenes that they show at the end. Oh, that's true. So for Gladdy, that's her special moment that she thinks, you know, is just the two of them. No one else was there. No one else knows. Or now they know, but no one else knows what actually happened. Right. But the two of them. And of course, she remembers it a little differently than how it actually happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, he shouldn't have kissed her, period. But it definitely just felt like a friendly kiss. And it didn't feel romantic. Right. Yeah. I mean, he still shouldn't have kissed her. But, right. you know, I'm sure the wine was flowing. He's 20 years old. <laughs> but they weren't like making out or anything. Right. It was a peck. Yeah. On the Aunt Gladdy front, I love that she sings the blessing for the turkey dinner. (laughs) (laughs) We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. It's a very good Lord's blessing song, whatever song that is. I just love the fact that any of them were able to keep a straight face. Yeah, that would have been tough. Also, is that the yearly ritual for them? Possibly. 
They're like, oh, there goes Aunt Gladdy again. Mm-hmm. You're up, Aunt Gladdy. <laughs> and my final HM, after like the shit has hit the fan and their sister Joanne has said some really disgusting things to Tommy. Yeah. Very hurtful. And Tommy and Claudia kind of hide in the kitchen to eat and drink wine. And she says something, you know, about how disgusting, you know, what Joanne said was. And he just plays it off like he doesn't care, which you know that he does care. He's just coping. Joanne. What a dick. I'm impervious. It's in one ear and out the other. Life goes on. And there's just like a couple seconds of silence. And then they just stop eating and hug each other. Yeah. And I just thought that was... It's a sweet moment. It is sweet. Because it's like, he doesn't want to talk about it, but it's obvious that it's hurtful. Yeah, there's no way that it couldn't be. And it's kind of on his face. Like he's trying to be pretty nonchalant about it when Joanne is saying all that. But I think he does a good job of showing that it's hurting and he's trying to hide it. Yeah. All right, my final HM, Walter and Tommy getting into a fight out in that front yard. (laughs) Not great that they get into a fight, but I love that Henry comes over there, is yelling at him, and he just sprays him with the hose to break him up like a couple of dogs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you know it was so cold, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what time of year they were actually filming, but it looked cold. It did look very cold. All the neighbors are out there. Henry is just embarrassed. He wants to move now. <laughs> <laughs> We've already talked about it a little bit, but we both have a joint least favorite moment, which is Joanne. Yes. The moment with Joanne. She's uptight and she's extremely bothered with how she has to do everything. Like, I loved this part, actually, because she's like, I can't do everything. And Claudia just looks at her and she's like, no one asked you to. Right. Like, Joanne just assumes she has to do everything and that she's the only one doing anything. But first of all, that's not the case on either front. Mm -hmm. And everyone would be there to help you if it was. Right. I just, that kind of energy is frustrating, to say the least. It can be, yes. And it's obvious that she resents her siblings for moving away and leaving her as the only one that's near their parents. Mm -hmm. You know, she says horrible homophobic things to her brother. Yeah. And like later when Claudia tries to talk to her at Joanne's house, Joanne's down in the basement on her stair climber. And she says, if I just met you on the street and you gave me your phone number, I'd throw it away. That's what she says to Mm -hmm. her sister. Mm -hmm. And Claudia responds. We don't have to like each other, Joe. We're family. Yeah, and she doesn't say anything to that. Basically, she's just like, do you mind? This is the only thing I do all day that I like. Yeah. Which it's obvious that she's just miserable with her life in general. A miserable person. I saw no redeeming qualities. Me either. Not a one. Like there's a small moment where, you know, Claudia leaves her alone and she stops working out and she gets teary. But even then, I don't feel bad for her. Nope. Brought it on yourself. I would feel bad for her if they did a sequel and she apologized and she opened her mind a little bit. Yeah. Tried to be a little more loving to her siblings. Mm -hmm. But until that happens, Joanne, you're on the list. It's a no for me, dog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our signs of the time. I noticed nobody was wearing seatbelts. Oh, I wore seatbelts in 95. Yeah, I thought about pulling this one off of there because I was like, wait a minute. Is that just like a movie thing or because I've worn seatbelts my entire life? Yes, but I will say I did know people who did not. And it always blew my mind. Yeah, I just wouldn't feel right in a car without one on, to be honest with you. No. So I don't know if it's a sign of the time or not, but I noticed it. (laughs) (laughs) First up on my list, Claudia's bangs. Ah. They were thick. They were amazing. They were very 90s. (laughs) I'll read a few since I have more than you. There's a random person in a turkey costume at the airport, 
and he had kids dancing around him wearing pilgrim hats. I just felt like this is not something you would see at an airport today. No. The airport is not like a party zone like it used to be. Yeah, it was way different vibes. There yeah. was a lot going on at that airport. Yeah, it was stressful yeah. just looking at it. <laughs> it was like Disney World. Right. It That's was like it Disney World. Like. Also at that airport, pay phones. Occupied pay phones as far as the eye can see. Yes. Everybody was on them. I love the fact that an older lady walks up and she's talking to some guy standing next to her and she's like, can you show me how to use this thing? <laughs> and he's got no time for it. He's like, no, I'm not helping you. <laughs> the fact that using a payphone was foreign to someone yeah. is so weird to me. This like, new technology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, payphones have been around a long time, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe she just didn't get out a lot. And the follow up to that, wired phones on planes. What? That was like, wow. I've never seen that. Ever. Why'd they get rid of them? I don't know. Why did they get rid of them? Maybe people didn't use them enough. But honestly, I just I've ridden almost all of the U.S. based airlines since the mid 80s. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen one. It was that felt very luxurious. Yeah, I just uh, I don't understand how that would have worked. It would have to have been like a sat phone or something like that. Although she's leaving a message for her brother, but it's before they take off, I think. No, they're flying. Oh, they were flying. Okay. Yeah, because uh, she hits a couple bumps. <gasps> right. And she's okay. scared. Yeah. Never mind. Take that back. Next up, the rug at her parents' house. Yes. I don't know exactly like the name for this rug, but it's like a woven oval shape that is almost like ombre. Like it's like brown. Yep. Then it has like different shades of brown as you go in to the center but they had this with all different kinds of colors yeah we had them all throughout our house in the 80s and 90s we did too ours was brown yep. and beige-ish and yes. kind of cream but then when my mom changed our decor and we got new carpet we switched from brown carpet to navy blue carpet in the 90s then we had a lot of navy cream and burgundy rugs and decor really so yeah but I mean, that rug, it's like, when did that rug go out of style? I guess in the 90s. I don't, I don't remember seeing it in the early 2000s unless it was just leftover, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. That was like a holdover from the 80s. Yeah. I don't know that like for new designs in the 90s or maybe late 90s, mm -hmm. you typically weren't doing that rug. Right. Or maybe it's like right on the edge there. But it's one that I feel like everybody had that rug. Oh, and yeah. When you watch any shows filmed back then, that rug is going to be in somebody's house. Yeah. And they're heavy. Yeah. The big ones are. This is small, but just the sound of the house phone ringing. Yeah. It's wild how that just brings up feelings of mm -hmm. nostalgia because it's like, I don't hear that sound anymore. No. Now, I do know they make a ringtone that sounds like that, but I also think I, I wouldn't want that no. on like, my phone. <laughs> I'd want to hear it actually coming from a phone because you had no choice. Yes. <laughs> There's something different about that. Yeah. Also, Claudia's mom is reading a Dear Abby article to her at one point. Oh, yeah. Very nostalgic. This is something we've noticed before, but seeing people greeting one another or saying goodbye to one another at the gate yes. in the airport. Only a couple of years left of that after this movie, yeah, actually. it's true. For me, I didn't fly until 2000. Oh, really? Yeah, in 2000 was when I flew for the first time, and I flew to L.A. by myself, and my parents were at the gate with me waiting. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my friend Kimberly, who was picking me up at the airport, was waiting for me at the gate on yeah. the other side. Now there's a lot to figure out. There's a whole lot, yeah. But again, it's like I flew a few more times before 9-11, okay. but then, you know, so I didn't get very much of that experience of somebody being able to be there with me while I'm waiting at Definitely was, made it way different. It did. It felt nice, you know, being mm -hmm. greeted there. It's so different now. It's just, 
it's not an experience there. It's always like you're meeting somebody out at the pickup spot because yeah. they're driving around because they can't stop. Right. <laughs> and they don't want to pay for parking. Yeah. That's the new experience. Mm -hmm. But it was nice to have somebody waiting with you to like kill the time. You know, it's like. Yeah, because you got to go get your bag mm -hmm. and you get to hug them straight away. You're just like, oh. Well, even beforehand, like waiting before you board the plane. Oh, yes. Yes. You're right. Yeah. It was nice. But got to be safe. I you do. You do. Next up for me, I liked the fact that Claudia asked Tommy when she first sees him, how's Jack? And he's like. How's anyone? It's the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and then Claudia's blue velvet dress that she wears on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, yeah. Velvet was very in in the 90s. I noticed in the pantry there was a jar of chicken tonight. What's chicken Do tonight? Do you remember chicken tonight? No. You now I remember the commercials. Okay. I feel like chicken tonight. Yes. Chicken tonight. Chicken tonight. <laughs> I feel like chicken tonight. Like chicken tonight. Chicken tonight. I asked my mom, actually, because I saw it in something else. Or maybe somebody, one of the other nostalgia pages I followed, shared the commercial for it. But I asked her if she ever used it. And mm -hmm. she's like, mm, maybe, but not really. We didn't have it. Yeah. But I do, again, I just remember the commercials as well. Yep. We also get to see a 90s video camera. So they're a bit smaller, but still hefty. Yes. Not quite Griswold size. No. <laughs> I feel like it was a decade away from them getting really small. Right. Before completely transforming into a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. We talked about the moment where Joanne is working out on her stair climber, but also next to her is her 10-year-old daughter who's doing step aerobics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it reminded me of me doing Jane Fonda workouts with my mom. Oh, which, you did those with her? Yes, which would have been more in the 80s, but... Right. I remember like being behind her doing those. And doing then your I, little workouts. Yeah, I started to say, oh, I bet that little girl did like get in shape girl and uh, mouse her size. But then I was like, wait, it's 95. It's the 90s. So yeah. probably not. Things had changed by then. They had. <laughs> also, there's a small moment between Claudia and Henry when he's watching football and she mentions the enormous TV. And he's like, yeah, it's too big. I think the TV was maybe 24 inches. It probably was 21. <laughs> But I'm giving it, you know, a couple inches here and it's 24. And it's like, oh, how things have changed. Yes. I was like, Henry, would you like to see RTV <laughs> in the living room? <laughs> it's a bit bigger. It's a little bit. And then my final one, when Claudia goes down into the cellar to mm -hmm. see her dad, I just noticed that there was a pair of roller skates hanging on the banister, which, you know, probably hadn't been used at that point for 25 years or yeah. so. and. It's just kind of sweet to know that they were still there. Maybe for the grandkids. I don't know. Could be. Maybe they just never got rid of them. But they, yeah, they looked old, mm -hmm. you know. Good set dressing. Yes. <laughs> so is there anything in this movie that you really related to as far as your own family Thanksgivings? Anything that's like super familiar to you? I mean, I would say that it was always more my extended family that came with the wacky stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A little bit. Like, I definitely had the fun cousin. I mean, I still have the fun cousin, but when I was younger, he lived in LA. So he would come visit and just wow me with his stories. And it felt so glamorous at the time because he was just so different from mm -hmm. other people in my family. And I'm sure he definitely had like his real family in LA and he right. was coming home, you know, to visit his family. I mean, not that they weren't real family, but you know what I mean? Like he lived away. So I just feel like a lot of people can relate yeah. to that feeling. I did have a strange aunt 
by marriage who would <laughs> steal all the candy out of the candy dishes <laughs> and put them in her bag. Would she really? Nobody would notice. <laughs> yep. You never got to meet her. But I do relate, you know, to living away from home and returning for the holidays, not wanting to run into people that I know unexpectedly Mm -hmm. and feeling a little bit different from my family, you know, the longer that I would be away. Like you do make friends who feel like family, who feel who feel more accepting of the real you in some cases, you know. Yeah. And like they're around you as you're changing. And right. becoming the, you know, whatever the current version of you is, that's familiar to them where it's, you They're know, not if, comparing it to who right. you used to be. Exactly. Yes. And then also when you come home, you know, getting the questions like Claudia was getting the questions about her life, you know, from family members who don't really know you. Yeah. You know, like for me, it, it was always like the random cousin who would only speak to me because we were standing in line for food. Right. You know, and like they would ask me when I was going to get married or something like that or why I don't have a boyfriend (laughs) while putting dollops of, you know, sweet potato casserole on their plate. Right. You know, and knowing that, like, I'm not even going to see this person or talk to this person again until I see them the next year. Yeah. And if you're not in line next to them the next year, you're probably not even going to talk to them more than saying hello. Right. There are definitely family members that were more invested in my life and did know more about me. But it would always be those randos. That would frustrate me because also it's like I get so mad because it was just like, what do you care? Like, it doesn't affect you if I have a boyfriend or when I'm going to get married. Like, F your traditional (laughs) thoughts of how everybody should live their lives. That's right. Oh, I'd get so worked up. Then you just try to avoid the people that, you know, are going to ask you those questions. Mm -hmm. So I related to that, too. I definitely am thankful for the members of my family who I just relate to more. And they're the ones that you go hide with in a side room or go on the back porch and freeze your tail off, you know, to kind of get away from the chaos. Do we have to go around the table and say what we're thankful for right now? (laughs) Yes. What are you thankful for? That was the worst part of Thanksgiving for me growing up. I was so thankful to leave that behind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't do that because there were too many of us. Yeah, I mean, we had little kids, right? So Mm -hmm. it would be really quick and they're thankful for sand. (laughs) You know, it's like it, it wouldn't take too long. But by the time we started doing it, I was expected to have some kind of thoughtful answer. And it was a lot of pressure and I hated it. Just do your go-to. You're thankful for your family, your house. I was going to be- Your job, your car, whatever. Well, I was going to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You're thankful for video games and- Yeah. Girls. (laughs) (laughs) For me, what's most familiar is the chaos. Even when it was a smaller- family before it, you know, exponentially grew as people got married and had kids. Our core family unit was five children, Mm -hmm. you know, so there was a lot going on and there was a very wide age gap. So you'd have anywhere from like a little kid crying or a baby crying up to family drama, you know, between near adults and adults, that kind of stuff. And occasionally we'd get those eccentric bits of family that came over. Some of the family is completely, you know, normal. Some of them, not so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would always be an adventure when the eccentric bits of the family would come over. (laughs) And also, you know, football on the TV is a must. It's something that I love at Thanksgiving. And then for a long time, football outside after we ate. Yep. Was also something that we would do, which didn't make a ton of sense, but it would happen. Yes. That's something I remember as a kid because like my dad and my uncles 
cousins would be out in the front yard playing football. Yeah. And I always loved to go out and watch. And then that kind of died down. Yeah. As people age. Like, I wish that some of the younger you guys would go do that, you know? Listen, I'm too old at this point. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess that's it. That was a great movie. Absolute recommend if you have not seen it. Yes, definitely. And if you have watched it and it's been a while, go check it out again. Yeah, I I recommend a rewatch because I'm telling you that as you get older, that hits differently. It does. (laughs) Well, we hope you all are enjoying your holiday season and uh, don't throw a turkey in anyone's lap this year if you can help it. And if you do, then dump the turkey juices on their head. Just make sure they deserve it. That's right. Hold on. Are you texting during the show? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Put this in the outtakes. There's no texting during the show. (laughs) 